Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Right Behind Us. I'm your host, Brandon Daniel, of the Seattle band BD and the Sheiks. Today I'm talking to Alex Robert of the band Black Whales. Black Whales uh, started in Seattle kind of around the same time that I did. I've definitely played shows with them, but I've never gotten to sit down like this and talk music with Alex, not even at the bar at a show or anything like that. So um, this was a fantastic opportunity to speak with a really smart songwriter who um, you know, isn't quite sure of his whole process. Um, he has a really unique way of writing in that he starts with the recording uh, of an idea first and then and keeps rolling with it. You'll get to hear about that. I thought it was fascinating. Definitely some bursts uh, with Alex and yet at the same time uh, there was a lot to relate on. So let's get into this um, by hearing a little bit from his last record with the Black Whales and a song called You Don't Get Your Kicks. This is Alex from the Black Whales. Modest Mouse. Yeah, I like, heard that. Yeah, he was sort of like a, a no-brainer, right? Like right. he was drum teching for them. Yeah, and then they they had this whole double drummer concept, and mm-hmm. that one of the other guys, uh, Joe, split, and so the slot was open, and Davey like vied for it, and right. then came to us and was like, "Hey," which is like totally understandable. But no, yeah. he's doing that full time. It's like his that, full-time job. That's crazy, because, I mean, when he left... Well, when the Tallbirds were over, is yeah. around the time that he joined uh, your group, Black Oils. Yeah, and it really was our band. It was me and him yeah. at first. And so when he split, it was like, well, all right, we're going to go a different direction, I guess. Well, and his sound is so... Uh, He's a heavy, heavy yeah. hitter. And it's unique, and it's like a big part of the... You know, listening to your records is a big part of the sound of, a, of your band. You know, in the recordings and everything, he had a lot of. Yeah, that that's missed for sure, because he's yeah. really he's like a pro. Yeah. He shows up and tunes everything for every show. You know. It's yeah. Like... So what? <laughs> I've had you know plenty of band member splits. So what yeah. was that moment like? Um. You found that out. Kind of, I mean, definitely sad. Yeah. You know, like. We put the band together from the origin, and we kind of. You know, they spent a lot of time together and we kind of fell in love with the production process. And mm. I've never met anybody who cared as much about that stuff, you know, that right. wanted, that I've played music with that, you know. 
cared about microphone techniques and EQs and compression and stuff. And he was into the sound engineer. We really geeked out it. about that stuff. We'd uh, get a record made and almost immediately be like, can we have the, we'd ask the producer or whoever, if we could have the files uh-huh. so we could like shape it uh-huh. and then give it back and be like, now mix this. <laughs> it's <just> a, <laughs> a little bit, uh, probably annoying to work with us back then, but yeah, well, yeah, he's missed. I mean, I miss collaborating with him. Yeah, that's too bad. I mean, did did you feel like um, there was some type of sea change moment um, available to you with that? I mean, did it affect your writing at all when you? Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Kind of hard. It's hard to explain how I write. I'm a slow writer, mm-hmm. which is why we don't have very many records or whatever. But. Um, yeah. <laughs> the same way. Yeah, it's yeah. like if it's not, it's not, a hundred percent something. I'm I wake up and I'm like listening to it again, and I'm mm. just as happy as the night before when I was working on it. Mm-hmm. It immediately like goes on a shelf because right. it's like, not for any one reason other than it's, I don't see the point in putting it out in the world if it's not something that is a complete, complete thought for me. You know, nothing half baked. Totally, and just like a common thing that's happening right now i guess and it's i think it's more perpetuated by like home recording and you know like 10 years ago 15 years ago uh whatever age i was was there's no way i would have thought of things that way you know i would have been like it's a race i'm supposed to get ahead of everyone you know it's more Uh competitive and now it's more like just for me and the guys i play music with you know definitely yeah yeah that's weird the way that changes yeah, and sonically too, you know, like with, you know, all your synthesizers can now like fit in a computer, which is insane, mm-hmm. and like all those tools available to you, it's like, just getting lost in that world is a big, something I enjoy, but it's also slows it down quite right. a bit. Right. Well, when, um, how how long did it take you to uh, fill Davy's shoes? Um, there was a point of point in time where we sort of just took a breather uh-huh and then uh a good buddy of ours um another old seattle musician uh sort of voiced interest in wanting mm-hmm. to he's a great drummer he wanted to kind of an old punk style drummer and i think he wanted to be more meat and potatoes and mm-hmm. like which was you know you can't replace an incredible musician you know sure. who walks who yeah, takes I another path to say fill his shoes that's, no, that's definitely the wrong i thought about it for a while and i was thinking you know there's everyone Everyone who would be comparable to him, to mm-hmm. Davey, was in a band already, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I thought about like maybe just a stranger. I've never done that, like a Craigslist thing maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, as fate would have it, we kind of crossed paths with this old buddy of ours. And his thinking of what he wanted to do next musically was like perfectly in line with what we wanted to do. And we kind of got together and he's like a super quick uh, read. So mm-hmm. he, he learned all the songs that we had just finished Mm-hmm. Uh, before Davy's departure, um, so he had a chance to come in and like listen to the recordings we'd just made and add his own thing to it, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, perfectly seamless. But, you know, there's still that like it changes things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's got their own style, and I, I appreciate the drums so much that it's like it's a huge part of, um, your sound. The sound, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it weren't this band, another band I would be in or something, I I still, I put a huge importance on the role of drums or mm-hmm. or at least rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is smart. I mean, 
they it's an old saying that you know you're only as good as your drummer i totally believe that and your bass player you right know? yeah like you could have the worst guitar player but that could sound cool if it's juxtaposed with this just killer bass and drum you know section. yeah a, a fat and strong smart-minded bass line i think of a important. i often use the flaming lips as a kind of a, mm. a sort of a template just mm-hmm. as far as like because those the sounds they get are crazy but if the drummer sucked and there wasn't that beefy like you know push and pull between the rhythm section a lot of those songs would just be sort of uh chaos you know mm. so i think of it things in terms of of them often like how how you can balance out weirdness and and uh almost ineptness you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. in performance like i'm a fairly terrible piano player but I, I take my time with it, and it's it's now with, like, MIDI and all that stuff, you know. You can kind of find something and then reverse learn it. Right. And then that becomes something, you part of your sound or whatever. But um, that's not so important if the drums and bass sound really great. Right. And they're, like, right on. I think the keys can be a little sloppy. And So is that why, or were you the one playing keys on, the, on your records? Yeah, that was a... We have a great keyboard player. His name's Dave, um, and he's more traditional. But I, I, I have a hard time communicating to him mm-hmm. um, what I'm thinking or what I hear. And oftentimes, it's it's a, just a huge waste of time to try and like show him because it'll waste his time, and sure. I won't arrive at that thing. So uh, a lot, all the key stuff was for the most part me playing it, um, and then I would give it to Dave, and he would say like, I have no. I wouldn't change anything. So a lot of those oh, parts cool. stayed. Yeah. And live, he just plays those things. Oh. Um, but it wasn't intentionally like, I'm going to play all the parts, you know? Yeah. And has that changed now? I mean, is he writing his own parts most of the time? We, uh, since that last record we made, which was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, we played some, we focused on doing a live band thing. And I'm, I guess I'm more of a studio person. Like, mm-hmm. I like playing live, but uh, um, we haven't, recorded anything recently because we were like well let's try out some live stuff Mm -hmm. um but now i'm at that point where i'm like okay we did that i think we should go and make another record yeah and uh maybe take some time off from shows so the reverse right and we haven't got there yet but when we do i i intend to make it more of a collaborative effort i think Mm -hmm. on the last one it was davy and i uh producing for the most part and you know just we were like control freaks really Uh (laughs) That was great. I liked the result. I was happy with it. But I know that um, being like a, what do they call that? A, po- a polymath, you know, someone who like wants, can and wants to play all the parts. Right. And also produce it. It's kind of restrictive. Yeah. And these guys are so great and everyone's getting older and having kids and whatever. So mm-hmm. it's like, I want to appreciate, you know, I want to lock that moment in time and let these guys write their stuff, their parts. Definitely. and. Yeah. So I'm trying to make demos that are, it's hard for me, but are, that are way more naked than they would have been in the in the past. Right. So like maybe a, a slight rhythm idea with a, a drum machine or something, but I'm trying not to, you know, these are the parts verbatim, play them, you know? Yeah. So that was a thing in the past. I think inadvertently, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was planned, but you get rolling and it's like, okay, baseline, okay, okay. And then it sounds great. Right. And you don't want to lose any one part because it's it, you're so happy with how it is. And as a result, you end up like, I think, stepping on toes a little bit. You know, everyone wants yeah. to play yeah. and wants to record. No, I, I've been there. I totally yeah. understand. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. But I, I think to give them, they're great musicians and like, I don't know how much longer this will continue. Um, so 
um, let them make their mark and like let's have fun recording and yeah. see what what comes out because it's going to be something that I couldn't have never thought of you know yeah it, it, it's it's a weird gear to be in to be like soul writer you know I I, I um, never was one to actually write my band members parts mm-hmm. and like play everything but I was you know for my first record like really stuck on writing every song you know and and structuring it myself mm-hmm. um and then once we got a, a new band this new band member and Nate and we and he came on and was like doing keys and bass then for some reason he just had the nature where and maybe I just hit a point in my own maturity or something or life I don't even know if it's like a maturity thing where it's just like okay, I can collaborate with mm-hmm. this person. You know, I don't have to write everything. And then next thing I know, there's only three of us, but I'm collaborating with the whole band. And really, for the first time, able to, like, let the my drummer, Matt, who was really, like, a Davey to you, you know, he's, like, a partner in crime. Mm-hmm. First time I could actually let him in on things. And it's weird. The, the sharing of... Uh, the creative responsibility is like I, th- I, I I speak of it as like gears because writing alone is its own gear writing with the band is its own gear and it's hard to switch between the two yeah I agree with that for sure uh, and both have merits right right um, that's the tough thing is all the you know the musicians that I put on a pedestal um like Lou Reed and you know other guy, um, even like more modern bands like a, I guess like a Tame Impala situation mm-hmm. kind of you know mm-hmm. I, I'm so fascinated by that and those are sounds that seem like you couldn't do that, with five people in a room. It it's like it's so fluid because it's from the same person's mind. You know mm-hmm. it's so, uh, um, it's just so well rounded and thought out. Um, but it's hard to say if one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the live band situation, um, I think, has more energy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, um, a solo artist or someone who's composing all the stuff themselves has more of a almost, like, dreamy quality to it. Or, I mean, if you want to get into, like, psychedelic stuff, it's, like, if it's one person, it's really easy to portray that. Mm-hmm. Um but I think I'm at a phase now, like uh, like you, that I want to want to put something out there and say like, take your time with it. Um, yeah. Now everything you can you know you can record at home so easily. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we might embrace a little more. Is like here's my demo. Uh, just start layering stuff on it. Don't worry about like final recording. Right. Um, let's just get all the ideas on there and sort of edit as we go. Yeah. Mostly for time saving purposes, but also like that's it's a great a great way to you know it's like making recordings on eight tracks mm-hmm. um where you like if you ever remember one track to kind of layer something on it we used to do a lot of that um so you're really into you're really into the the, the engineering side of things like the producing side of things with, with recordings yeah more more so now than than i i ever was oh okay um so it's been like a growing interest I grew up with some some friends who worked uh, at um, London Bridge Studios, and oh, they wow. they 
you know, I was just so like mesmerized by that whole world. And did you get to go um, be around that? You know, I was pretty young, but uh-huh. it was a pretty adult world at you yeah. know, the recording studio. You weren't like the runner or something. No, no, no. I was just like the kid who was asking questions and like, totally. you know, like, yeah, like star awestruck, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like almost obsessed with it, I think. <laughs> and there is no such thing as songwriting for me per se. It's uh-huh. like, it's demoing. Uh-huh. And I write as I record, which is um, a probably why I'm so slow. Uh-huh. You know, I don't sit down and compose something and say, okay, now I'm going to make the recording. Mm. I start out with the mood, usually, or a, yeah. a, a tempo. Right. And then I start layering stuff, and it's like, whoa, there's the song, or that's crap, and start all over, you know? To- that's that's really interesting to me, because um, it's so different from, from how I write, although I'm sure the, the inspiration or the impetus is, is probably the same. I think it's, it usually is so far from what I've been able to tell with songwriters, you know, it's like a, a thought in the shower, you know, kind of right. moment leads to this. But the way you build a song that way is really interesting, because, and it might be the first time I've heard, especially a guitar-centric you know, uh, musician talk about recording or writing, but what is it? Um, it's so, it's like so dangerous to do it that way as, as how I think of it. Cause you know, like you said, there's so many things that end up getting scrapped right. because, because of all the experimentation. You, you hit that. Uh, it is a dangerous, I think it's, it's sort of like not something I would, I'm trying to move away from that actually. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Just because you do so much self-editing yeah. before you, the song even has a damn chance to like exist, you know, it's like maybe yeah. that was gonna be really good. Yeah. But because you're so self-critical and it's instant, right. you know, you hear the sounds and you don't think we could make it sound better. But I'm so bothered by how bad that sounds or how much it it didn't. Yeah. Doesn't sound like what I had in my head that you you abandon it before it even grows into anything. Yeah. Um, Although sometimes if you don't fully love and believe in a song and you you know you go into the studio you know hire the producer go into the studio do the whole thing this has just happened to me personally then you end up like fuck that song really sucked right and we just that's a polished it that's a horrible feeling where you spend the money and you spend a lot of time on something and it's just not not happening or even and mine even made it to wax like i mean it even got fucking yeah and you're just like this sucks (laughs) yeah i'm just embarrassed that it's out there now yeah i mean the thing is most people don't feel the same way as you you know that's something i try and remember like Mm -hmm. same thing i listen i don't listen to my own songs like ever but when they come on or or you know right or i'm in a situation where I, i am listening to it for whatever reason I, I usually cringe, you know, it's usually like, really? God, that sucks. Or, you know, it's mostly like my voice sounds stupid or, um, why is there so much reverb on everything? Like, why was that a good idea? <laughs> yeah. It, but the, this at wasn't... the time it's like this fucking kills. And then yeah. you listen to it and you're like, it just sounds dumb. Um, yeah, I've had that moment, but I think that's true of anybody, you know, yeah. or most people or that I've found it interesting too, like how you, you might. I listen to my own stuff, like, because, mm-hmm. but I, I don't listen to, like, the old stuff much anymore, and now, now, every now and then, when, when the old stuff comes on, then I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, what, same kind of thing, like, why is, why do we think that was done, you know? <laughs> well, you, yeah, I mean, you were a totally different person then, yeah. you know, like, five years ago. Yeah. Your tastes or whatever, like, opinions have changed, so now, like, future you or current, present you. Mm-hmm. 
is like uh, evolved somehow. I don't know. That's how mm-hmm. I feel. Like it's mostly with production choices. That's mm-hmm. typically where I get kind of irked. You know, listening back. Interesting. I know um, you don't. You're not used to the sound of your own voice. Are you? You're like I j- put it. I think of it, my voice is like its own character. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm used to that character. Like, not necessarily I'm a fan of it, but I'm used to it. Yeah, I'm used to it if I get to, like, spend some time EQing the shit out of it. You mm-hmm. know, like, then I'm like, okay, that's how I sound when I, in my head. <laughs> right. If I hear a recording of my voice, like, maybe here, uh-huh. and I listen back, I'm like, that doesn't sound like how I feel like I sound. Right. So I try and EQ it, like, to the frequent, the resonance in my mind, like, when I'm speaking the way it sounds coming out of my head that's how I try and make it sound mm. um, which that's is really interesting I've oh. never heard anyone say that before um, and then there's the conversation of you know I like lots of delay and stuff and it's right. it's more not because I don't like the sound of it it's just um, I just think it sounds better yeah like buried yeah well that's interesting I mean I'll, like I said, that is definitely the first time I've ever heard someone say that. And it does make sense that you could get your voice to sound a little more, you know, like it does in, in your head, a little more compressed that way. Yeah. It's just like a flatter sound. You know, yeah. it's even, whereas if you hear your voice recorded raw, it sort of goes up and down and you have like highs and lows. And yeah, I always feel more monotonic when I speak out, when I hear a recording of my voice, mm. then I feel like it sounds to me coming out of my my mouth, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a less interesting voice than it sounds in my head. That's interesting. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. But kind of staying on that, uh, that recording process, one of the things that I thought of when listening to your music and perhaps one of my favorite parts of it was um, some of the, the vocal hooks like the the lyrical hooks that were in there they weren't abused um which is nice you know sometimes people will repeat something for pop sake for like pop songs oh right and 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 it feels kind of like they're abusing that line um or that privilege but you you didn't do that and when you did choose to repeat a line it usually was like one of the best lines in the song um, like what's that song of yours? They, uh, am I in the wrong place? Oh, um, rattle your bones. Yeah, yeah, which is going way back, right? That was like your from yeah, yeah. your first stuff. Yeah, it would have been like five years, six yeah. years ago. Yeah, it was but a while with, back with iTunes Music or whatever. Now yeah. it's just like randomly filtering yeah. through all your stuff, and which is cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's it. The only thing that's weird is like for this show, it's like I kind of want to get, you know, things. I want to kind of want to hear how things like progressed. Okay, yeah. And so sometimes it throws you for a loop when you're like listening to the first two songs ever recorded right. <laughs> for the group, and yeah. then you know you were meaning to listen to the newest album. Yeah. Um, but do you find that you kind of keep going back to this? same themes or do you find that there theme there are a, a certain set of themes that commonly come up for you in your writing hmm. um i'm a i'm not good at writing when i'm happy mm-hmm. which is uh i've heard it said both of both sure um there's a, a thing i read of, with the black lips talking about how they only they they gotta write like in the sunshine and like i mean that's what really? the music sounds like but they can't oh, the black. 
Yeah. Um, they have to be in a good place to write songs, which is the opposite of how I feel. Not that yeah. I want to, you know, be in a cabin by myself in November with, you know, pouring rain. Yeah. Like not not physically, but if I'm in a good that place cool, mentally, though. I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. things end up sounding corny to me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm bragging or celebrating, and mm. um, I think. I get more ideas when I'm conflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm generally not an unhappy guy. I'm, I'm kind of pessimistic, but it's sort of that comes out a lot. I think like mm. if I have something critical to say about something I don't like, mm-hmm. I tend to like have more song ideas in that frame of mind mm-hmm. or mindset than if I'm like, wow, this is what an awesome day. It's like the middle of July. I'm going to the beach. Like I have nothing to say. I have nothing right. to write. Yeah. Um, Without kind of being, you know, for lack of a better word, like masturbatory, you know, mm. I prefer to kind of, uh, I don't even know if I prefer it. It's just my MO. It's sort of like, I'm, I'm really pissed off or I'm really like, God, this sucks. I'm really down about this and I have to do something with that, you know? Right, right, right. And for me being such a, a, a studio nerd, you know, or like production nerd, I, I immediately like turn on all this, the keyboards and like turn on all the the recording devices and it's like okay let's make something happen with this shitty emotion you know yes and it's like an exorcision maybe you know yeah a bit and it's not always bad too i mean the um when you're making a song from uh frustrated or 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 dark place the song isn't necessarily going to sound frustrated or dark. It could actually, it could be anything at that point. And that's a good point. I think that when, like for myself, um, you start out with the intent of like, God damn it. I have to like do something with this. Like I feel terrible about this or that. Mm. You start recording and then you start having a really good time because right. if, if it's going well, as it often does, you know, you start layering instruments and then you become happy, which is yeah. sort of a funny uh, contradiction. But you know, yeah. by the end of the, like, writing process or recording process, you're, like, kind of blissful about it. Yeah. And for me, that, go- you know, there's nothing else in my life that can turn that kind of shit emotion into that feeling of, like, achievement and, and self and satisfaction, you know? Yeah. It, um, it, it can kind of, like, move you into, like, a totally different day. Totally, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you could be extremely happy and calm and you woke up that morning really pissed off and um, negative. And because you went through that, like, metamorphosis through the music or trying to make a song out of this emotion, um, the reward is, like, you know, your whole day is can be changed, you know, your whole frame of mind. Yeah. When you... What age did you start writing? Uh, the first time I can remember being interested or, like, you know, sitting down to, like, write my own song uh-huh. was... Uh, like maybe 12, 12 or 13, not, not super young. That's, that's pretty young though. Yeah. I mean, I knew I wanted to like be in a, a band. Yeah. Um, uh, and one of my best friends, uh, was a great guitar player at that age and he sort of did the music aspect and mm. I kind of like ran the four track and, uh, Tascam. Yeah. The little mm. blue one. What is mm. it? The MK. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, and I kind of did the orchestrate or the uh, arrangement. So it's like, mm. hey, I like that thing you're doing. Put that with that thing. And then I kind of learned how to play guitar. And then I started doing it myself. All around the same time. So it was like, it yeah. wasn't a long time playing other people's music. It was 
No, I never really, uh, my mom had this like folk, you know, one of those thick red songbooks, like just mm-hmm. American songbooks. And it had like, you know, a lot of Bob Dylan and, um, Joan Baez, like folky, <laughs> that was kind of her era. Totally. Um, and she had this old nylon classical string guitar. So those books were the first, that's all I really did though. I never like listened to a record and tried to play it. Right. I would just read the tablature, you know, like uh-huh. the finger chord. Uh, charge Which I f- always found frustrating. Yeah, uh, but once I figured it out, you know, it was sort of yeah. like, oh my god, I can uh, take this and go, you know, further with it. Right. Yeah, but that four track I think is was more important to me than the actual songwriting, which is still true. Yeah, yeah. How I feel today. That- Hey guys, just need to interrupt real quick and tell you about our sponsor today, Keeping the Podcast Alive, Blumenstein Audio. Check out Blumenstein Audio for, as they would put it, the ultimate fidelity single driver speakers, subwoofers, and audio accessories for music lovers. How would I put it? I would put it like, this system is insane. You haven't really had the home hi-fi experience until you have tried it on the Blumenstein setup. Check them out, brilliant design, a brilliant man behind him, Mr. Clark Blumenstein, based here in Seattle and creating this entire fine line by hand since 2006. They've sold all over the world. You need to check out their Orcas and their new Benthic bass unit. If you have that, then you're very happy audiophile. Check them out at Blumenstein Audio, B-L-U-M-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, audio.com, and get a 10% discount on checkout just for being a listener of this show. Boom. Back to Alex. What's cool about that is that um, brands your songwriting style as unique, you know, regardless of, of the outcome. That's a unique process to be going at it from that angle i'm sure there are others but it's not the most common to hear recording production is like the first thing that i'm interested in me i make music to tool with that yeah um i've never actually thought about that Mm -hmm. until uh having to answer a question um but (laughs) you know growing up i also really wanted to be like in the mc5 and like Mm. i loved the stooges and like all sorts of uh, of like heavy, loud, angsty, kind of aggressive, and it's just that is just not me. Mm. I tried a few times, and it's 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 just like I love punk music. Well, like you know, kind of crazy seventies rock mm-hmm. music, and it's just you know you got to be. I felt uh, I had to be a little bit more realistic about it. Like mm. I can't. I'm not the kind of person who can be glammy and get up on stage and like perform. It's just right. less in my wheelhouse than like making sounds and shaping them like a I was really always kind of obsessed with Brian Eno and that whole world yeah where it's just like obsessive studio shaping you know creating a world inside the studio and less uh as a performer so it's sort of just by necessity I kind of went that route I think but by necessity you perform no I I record right because of the I can get in a, a mindset where you know, if it's a good show and, and people are responding really well, you get in that, you get in that, like, um, you go with the tide of that and sort of, you can unleash something if that's happening right. that surprises you. Mm-hmm. I'm less like likely to have that happen. So it's sort of playing and being a character 
um, was never something, so I could never do like an Iggy Pop thing or, you know, sure, even though sure. I admire those guys so much. Yeah. Um, I kind of just, I think the reason I do things this way is just because it's, it gets me similar results. You know, I get to perform and people can listen to the music and buy the music. Um, but I, I don't have to be in the spotlight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more more tucked away, kind of a private thing. Where did you fall on your... Um, do you have siblings? I have three younger sisters. Oh, so you're the oldest. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I wonder how that plays into motivations and everything because uh, i mean that's kind of getting psychoanalytical but but it does like pop because of your motivation being you know having kind of like a unique angle in that way you know there are a lot of people like me that that uh you guys put on a pretty pretty big show yeah so like i animated show what i'm what i mean by is like i i'm Fifty percent of me wants to be on stage, and fifty percent of me wants to do the writing, yeah. and that's the reason for the two. And then none of me wants to do the recording. Mm. Like, that's interesting. <laughs> I've learned to enjoy it, um, whether it's demoing or studio. I get freaked out in the studio. Like I, yeah. I become in pictures. I always look like I'm having a good time, but I'm pretty much like a stress case. And I've just in the last maybe two years learned how to kind of enjoy some of it. Because yeah. like you said, you want to kind of, you want to kind of time capsule, uh, that moment in the band, you know, um, that, that moment in, in your own, uh, musical life. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're crazy asshole around it, every time you do it, then that maybe that's going to like taint the music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any real pro studio environment is choking. I mean, I, I have a hard time. Like I can't record vocals. I have to do them at home oh, really? by myself. Oh, There's okay. no two ways about it. Not yeah. because I'm particular necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm too nervous. There's too much pressure. It's the wrong. You know, it's like even if everyone leaves, it's still like they're gonna be back in two hours, and I have to have finished this chunk of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where at home, I can I can knock it out. It's just a comfort thing. I think. Yeah, that's interesting. But big studios are, I mean, I feel really tense there, too. It was like Mark Lanigan uh, from the Screaming Trees and Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Great singer. Yeah, he's incredible. He, he does, I, I don't know if it's the same thing, but he does sing, like, in a corner with nobody looking at him. Yeah. You know, when he's in the studio. And they're just like, he does this all the time. This is <laughs> the only way he can do it. Yeah, I've, I've heard all sorts of, like, techniques and, you know, sure. weird stories about people having to put a, a blanket over them, their heads, over the mic, and, the, you know, so it's, wow. like, physically, yeah. like, cocooning their themselves in the, in the, in the, with the microphone. One time I was going to do a vocal take, and it was kind of awkward because I was facing the control room, big glass, and um, I stepped towards the mic, and it started shaking like at me. This, you know, but it it's a, one of those mics that's like hanging from the ceiling or like on a crane arm, you okay, know. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm like, and it's a concrete floors in there. I'm like, how did, how did I get this thing? It was an earthquake, is not it? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but it was annoying. What made me think of that is annoying that the producer Whoa. wanted me to sing like right at them right. in the control room. Yeah. You know, but I've done it a few times, and the only thing I can do with that feeling is be like, well, this is what I have to face on stage. 
Totally. You know. Um, yeah, the, get, the getting on stage thing is. Uh, you do, you, do you have a hard time with it? Like no. nerves or anything? Um, do you skate at all? You skateboard? And I did as a kid a little bit, but so the stage to me is like a skate park. You know, huh. like I I look forward to getting there, and sure I can fall, and sure I can embarrass myself. I'll worry about that once I'm there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, for some reason I'm. Uh, but I'm see I'm the youngest of three, and I think that's why I think hmm. that was my role in the family. I was the entertainer. yeah. I guess I never thought of that, but it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, my sisters, my three younger sisters are, for the most part, pretty extroverted and they're big mm-hmm. female personalities. So, <laughs> in all in different respects. But, uh-huh. um, you know, I think I was sort of the odd one. You know, I was the firstborn, so I had that leadership role yeah. carved yeah. out for me. But I was also a pretty, like, an introverted extrovert, is, I guess someone, I heard that recently, and I was like, oh, I feel like that. That makes um, sense from what you've described. So, so it's sort of the duality of those two things. Um, mm. Pretty, maybe, I was pretty shy for the most part, you know, during growing up with three sisters, younger mm. sisters. So being the head of the sibling um, group, but also being kind of shy by nature, it was sort mm-hmm. of, I feel like that's still true. And I guess, I guess that is like part of the, the performance. I don't get any anxiety. I just get kind of like, you know, if I just almost want it to be over. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I wanted that feeling of relief and like, mm-hmm. okay, that went well or whatever, you know. Um, but like, once on stage, you already want to know what it's going to feel like when it's over. I think it's more going into it. Like, uh-huh. you know, you set up the show, you're doing all the logistics of how you're going to get there and sound check and all that. And I hate that part. Me too. And I would, uh, once I'm playing, I realize like, that was, I don't know why I stressed out so much about this. It's like, the easiest you know i'm having such a great time and people are into it for the most part that's usually true and then and then it's over and you kind of still have that high or whatever but the anxiety leading up to performing Mm -hmm. for me is like fuck it i just i'd rather not oh yeah how do you do it sound checks i I mean it sounds like you don't like i fucking hate sound checks but probably for totally different reasons i don't like uh yeah i don't guess i don't mind they never really go well for me like because you want it to be better than it is. Well, it's like the control thing and the studio thing. Yeah. You know, it's like I have all the things in mind in place, and when I try and communicate those things to someone I've never met, yeah, who's running, you know, a, a board for the second time in his life or whatever his or her life, yeah. Um, and there's always that weird like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this. Is that cool? You know, like just heads up. I'm using this vocal effect. Right. I don't want you guys to put delay. I have my own delay. You bring your own. Yeah, that and they sense. they it, it's met with uh, varying degrees of acceptance. You know, sure. and it's like all that stuff mm-hmm. takes away from the enjoyment of like, you know, you practiced a hell of a lot to like play this one show. Yeah. Prepared. Everyone spent a lot of their personal time like, putting in something, and then. Yeah, the sound check thing, it's mostly just like if you have a cool sound guy. I mean, it'd be great if you had your own. Yeah. Ideally. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's just that. It's like, I don't want this guy to give me shit. I don't want to give him shit. Yeah. But there's that expectant, like, that feeling that, like, you know what's coming. You're going to have to have this conversation with this person and and you're going to end up being pretty frustrated by it. And then, you know, sure enough, you get on to play 
and none of the settings are where they were at Soundcheck. Yeah. So I was like, well, what the hell was all that for? Or so that kind of stuff gives I get kind of like worked up about it. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I really do. Uh, I mean, and, and I hate to be so psychoanalytical about it, but it, it, it is so funny that I really am seeing like, you know, just from your description, your background, your personality, like really where um, this sibling like lineage thing is like matters, you know, or where it, where it kind of takes effect. See, because like, I hate sound checks because I want to be. I'm like, no, just cook it up for me, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'll eat it, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want you guys just you do all that. I don't want to, I don't want to practice. Like, I don't mind band practices, but I want to practice before the show. I just want to get up there and, and I've had to learn to be professional about it. Whereas, like, I think That's you come from a place of, you know, you want to be actually probably the more professional than anyone else wants to and, and, and to, to nail the sound that you're hearing and you know your intention i would say yeah that's pretty true i i know that like when i was younger and you know just starting to play in seattle in bands mm-hmm. that i tried to not give a fuck you know i tried to be the one that was like let's drink all of these beers and <laughs> let's get up there and just melt right right right. and people are gonna love it and we're gonna mm-hmm. break stuff and be completely like out of control and you do that a few times and you're like that was horrible and like yeah. everyone's like you guys suck and you know yeah. you see videos of the band that night and you're like this is what a crap idea um because it's done for the wrong reason or whatever mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. um yeah just to play just to, rock and roll right yeah exactly like meeting that childhood like mental image of what it is to play rock and roll and you know yeah. you get older and you're sort of like you know what would be great is if we worked our asses off and played a really good show <laughs> and everyone really liked it and uh you know, you can still keep an element of like wildness or mystique mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think being just showing up and doing your job, it's like, it's kind of you're wasting your own time more than anyone else's yeah. if you don't at least have a little bit of that. Yeah, that's actually something I learned from being in a band with Davey. Was uh, he's like was the band dad, and um, his previous bands before that, that was his role, like mm-hmm. the catheters, you know, and touring Europe and stuff and they were on sub pop and I think the whole you know he wanted to take that seriously like yeah. this isn't something everyone gets this isn't something that's going to be forever and yeah I, yeah I don't know if that's you would have to tell me if that's true or not but that's what I took from him being the, the way he is but he taught mm. me you know he'd kind of like kick us into gear if we're being like sloppy or or yeah or that's not. awesome to have a self-editor in the group and I, I think I took a little of that away, you know, it's sort of, it's fine to drink and hang out and like have fun with your friends, but like, yeah. just maybe like keep in mind that you have this job, one thing that you're here to do yeah. and at least respect that enough to get, you know, get through it yeah. and you're welcome to do whatever you want afterwards, you know? Well, I think you've been at it long enough too. I mean, there's a lot to say about, um, the fun problems that are going to pop up anyway. And if you're in a place, so, you know and I say fun, like sarcastically, like, you know, the, why is the pedal board not working right now? You know, why, like, where is the connection lost in the middle of the song mm-hmm. that I've now dropped out and now I have to deal with this? I have, I have like nightmares where those, I mean, I think everyone does, right? But, uh, that's a big anxiety of mine going to, a, mm. into a show is mm-hmm. like, you know, cause from experience, I'm sure you know too, that, uh, you, if it's going to go wrong, it'll happen like right when you need it not to 
yeah. to, you know, your brand new cable for no reason just dies. Right. So it's like, that's part of the growing up process with that too, is like, you need to have two cables, right? Right. Or right. just being responsible and trying to imagine all the things that could go wrong and being ready for them and, and try and maintain a sense of like professionalism. Yeah, well, part of what I was going to say, too, about that is, like, you know, you just, you're going to learn your lessons, like, through trial and error, um, uh, as long as you're working. So, as long as you're performing, you're going to keep learning how to deal with that, how to roll with those. Mm -hmm. But the, to to your point earlier, is, like, if you're wasted and uh, and ridiculous, and those problems occur, you're screwed. Right, absolutely. You can't deal. You can't really handle them. Absolutely. Quickly in the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's fine to get like. I mean, and this isn't always true. It depends. Like, if you're playing someone's a uh, birthday party, like mm-hmm. you have less of a sense of like responsibility, mm-hmm. or you know, there's certain flexible situation scenarios in in what you know and dictate how you should behave. Um, and it's different for everyone. I mean, some of my favorite bands are like, you get on stage just wasted. And it's like, yeah, that works for them. That's great. It doesn't right. work for me because, you know, like we're talking about, if that if a cable's going to die, it's going to happen then in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And this whole process of preparing for the show, getting people to come, mm-hmm. um, all the other bandmates, like, keeping it together. And it's like you just wasted everyone's time, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's something I've tried to avoid as much as possible it's like my only parameter going into a show is just like be the example you know Mm -hmm. like lead by example and Mm -hmm. make sure you have two of everything whenever possible just because it's gonna happen you know yeah yeah and keep your wits about you you know and then try and have fun that's kind of funny to say but in the midst of all that you can actually have more fun if you have your like your backup plan in place and you're that's a good point sort of level-headed that's a good point yeah I can see that. Um, I never, I mean, I, I, I don't have a backup plan, but I feel like my need to be somewhat professional is, is, is coming from the same place as that. Yeah. What is your um, theme? What are, do you have like themes to, to the music that you're writing now for the next record that are, that have like, pleasantly surprised because I, I know when I, I, I this year I, I suffered a band member loss like not a, a life but you know a band member leaving and it we were talking about this a little bit earlier like the weird things that that bad place can mm-hmm. you know create I ended up making some really weird tunes and I really enjoyed how weird they were because it was like that's a good way to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I th- I always say embrace that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I mean I think that that's it's what am I trying to say? It's kind of it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but uh it puts you in a different place. Mm. And I'd say, you know, embrace the 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 weird new. Mhm. Um above trying to like maintain some of like a this is what our band's all about. This is our sound, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I think that yields the coolest results often, you know, like, yeah. um, even I, I listened to one of your shows where you interviewed, uh, Jason Dobson yeah. of Maldives. Yeah, he's cool. Like that band has taken a, a strange turn. I mean, yeah. like super dark almost, but mm-hmm. 
kind of trippy in a weird way, sort of, you know, and if you'd listen to the uh, record they made five years ago, it's super different. So I think, I think people that, you know, whether it's someone leaves the band and it changes the dynamic Mm -hmm. or, you know, your mom dies or whatever. It's like, I think you got to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, because you'll be happy you did. It's like the most honest way, you know, as opposed to uh, denying yeah. that things are different, like denying that uh, this guy left your band and you're going to try and replace him with someone who sounds exactly like him. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to maintain that. Yeah. I'd say get someone who's totally different. And like, yeah, evolve it. Yeah. What I, Did you find that there are themes, though, that popped into the music that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is... Um... This is cool. This is interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm like two days away from sending these new demos to the, the other guys. And there's like six or seven that I think like, let's use these and, mm-hmm. you know, see if we can grow them or, or we'll scrap them or whatever. But um, this time around, we uh, this would be the first time recording with our new drummer. Mm-hmm. And he's like a big heavy hitter, really, really straightforward. He has cool, like almost Ringo fills. Um, and I, I want to ride it around the drums. Mm. And so a lot of the demos I'm making are, are drum, bass, and key. Mm. And there's almost no guitar. Um, because I figure if it needs to be there, um, one of the other guys will hear it. Right. But if I try and hear all, you know, if I'm trying to... I'm trying to design it, I guess what I'm saying is I'm trying to write these songs more about uh, around rhythm than, uh, than melody. Mm-hmm. And I figure the melody always comes anyway, so... Mm. Um, if you give, let the drums and the bass be the star, Yeah. then it's something we've never tried. And I like would love to like throw in some of that like Motown stuff, like a little more, uh, just kind of give it more ass, for, you know what I right, mean? Like, right, so it's right. like kind of ass shaking, but then it's like you have these sort of 70s synths and then yeah, kind of see where it goes from there. But that's the theme that I've kind of been going with is like a soul uh, rhythm kind of like a soul heartbeat and then the rest kind of keep it as synthy psychedelic as as I can. Yeah. And put those two together and let the other guys try and figure out what that where to go with it. That sounds really cool. I mean, we'll see. Maybe you, maybe it won't work. Maybe it won't happen. It but no, it sounds really cool because the way you started describing that whole thing, like I'm going, "Oh, okay, so it's really like modern." And then you know, you ended up like, it's going to be a very vintage type of approach to, uh, I mean, yeah, it, I like from the studio. So I'm thinking about it from a production point of view and you gotta, if you want to get that like beach boys drum kit sound, you know, mm. you, you, there's certain things you probably should do that, mm-hmm. to, to mimic that. Um, but it's also in the performance. So it's sort of, I'm trying to steer the songs in a direction that, will explain to the other guys what I'm thinking without having to say it. Yeah. And then hopefully that it's, you know, evokes something for them that's like, oh, okay, that's got that thing. So I should try and complement it with this. Mm. But I'm trying to, like we were saying earlier, I'm trying to like let it go a little earlier mm-hmm. so that I'm giving them demos that explain enough, but give them room to make their mark on it. And Yeah. I think it's interesting. I, I, I think it's... Uh... I have to, um, of course, thank you for coming in, but, but I really respect, uh, how much, uh, thought and attention you put into, uh, your music and it really, 
I can't help but think that it's it's gonna weigh on me in the future when I when I hear your new record or even when I listen to your old ones thinking about your attention to detail and process um, because you know I don't have a lot of conversation where someone is able to explain why they not only why they care but how they could go about doing it I think that's yeah it's funny I've never really paid much thought to that yeah um I've talked to a lot of other you know you get in conversations with other musicians either at a bar or before you play or whatever yeah in passing and um a lot of people seem to have the mindset of sitting down and writing songs traditionally and they uh-huh. they they value that time and that experience and it's it's something for them and you know it's it's funny how many times I've I just get silent because it's like, well, that's, I have no clue how that feels. (laughs) I cannot relate at all, but it seems like you're all part of this awesome club that I just will never, I'll never be part of, or maybe I will someday, but yeah, I, I am kind of an isolationist. I think that's probably this like explains everything. (laughs) I think I get, I feel the same way when people start talking about looping and how they how they yeah. make songs by looping. I have no idea how that's done. I I just start asking questions cuz yeah. like I don't know. It's I I don't have I can't relate to that right. at all. Right right right. And I'm like, well, well the thing that always comes back into my mind is like how do you change keys? Right. <laughs> if you're looping, you know, uh A D G, you know, over and over again. I guess you don't or you kind of can you even play A D G? Yeah, you could play it. I don't think that would actually necessarily sound good. <laughs> Have you listened to any of the? It's mostly like older Kurt Vile. Mm-hmm. He does That's a lot of those out just yeah. crazy looping things, and it's like these songs are awesome. That it's like I don't know what's going on. Like who's what's playing what part and yeah that's the stuff i got in like i got into him like in his first couple records yeah and me I, too i haven't heard i haven't heard most of the new stuff so i know exactly what you're talking about and it, and that i think it was actually aaron my old band member who's all, who also is a recording engineer who was tripping out on it hard and then we all got into it because of him and it, when he was explaining that whole looping thing that that kurt vile was doing I felt the same way. Like, I enjoyed listening to it because I couldn't figure out how it was going. It's such a simple thing, I, mm-hmm. I bet, if you do understand it. But, right. yeah, it mystifies me. Yeah. Like, just even kind of drone music, which I, I like. You know, yeah. like some Velvet Underground and, like, even more modern, just where it's just there's two chords or whatever. Um, I don't know how you have that kind of, how you can make something out of that. I appreciate it. I just don't yeah. understand it. Like how you can let it go and put it out there. Yeah, and also just like, wow, there's a state. melody there somehow, even though mm. there's like nothing going on. Yeah, I think that's more of like a... Uh, I mean, I would hypothesize that that, that is a, a, an accidental hmm. venture. That That's the, the result you get from a band carrying on together, and then that just is an effect that ends up happening that's the effect but yeah it's interesting that we kind of like circled back from where we started on the song yeah Uh, but um, thanks for coming in yeah thanks for having me looking forward to listening back on this one
And that's the track Tiny Prisms from the Black Whale's latest record, uh, Through the Prism Gently. I'll put links up in the music description section of this podcast for you to check that out um, and go buy some Black Whale's music on the band camp that I'm posting. It's all available there to you. I don't know what is going on with iTunes right now. I was just trying to download some or buy some songs and because I'm signed up with their radio thing like it just wants to automatically play the songs for you and and not like it's like more difficult to download them that's so stupid I'm so sick of all this ugh, online music bullshit but anyway that's my thing thanks for listening Alex was great I love relating with him and and and, and totally empathizing with his uh, thing about not writing in times of happiness um happiness is boring and if you can write out of it great good for you but i mean that's definitely not what most of us are doing and it does bring great happiness though to write out your frustrations and do all that so it's actually very well timed for me um i hope it was for you too i thought he was um I thought he was a very interesting guy. I know I said that enough times in the episode, but what the heck. Um, check us out on Twitter. Write us a review on uh, iTunes if you're a fan. It's something you could do for us. I'm bringing you the show for free. Hopefully, we'll be bringing you a lot more. I know we have plans to. So keep listening. Um, and yeah, check us out on Instagram. It's BD and the Sheiks on Instagram. Twitter, it's uh, right behind us, spelled with a W. That's it for now. I'm going to get out of here until the next episode.